It is counterpoint time. And our panel, Lauren Honickman, who will be joining us momentarily, and we have live on the line Kelly Harris, principal at Harris Public Affairs. Hey, Kelly, how are you doing? I am fantastic. How's your talk of Tuesday go? It's great. And it's great to be able to do the pre-election. We got a lot of stuff. We're kind of on the cliff in so many things. Kelly, let me ask you, how are you feeling about this election? What What's your takeaway? There's a sense that it's a little bit of a drag. Not much has happened. But we know that when things are a drag politically, lots of stuff is happening. Well, I got to tell you, I, I was speaking to a, a number of the people who are uh, in the Ford office and running the campaign uh, last week. I was at an event with, uh, and they showed up, they showed up to an event on Wednesday before the election, one week away. It tells you a little bit about their confidence levels, mm-hmm. but uh, the key thing, and I've been, I've been here. I mean, I was, I was around when, you know, in BC, when we took 77 to 79 seats for the Campbell government back there in 2001. But one of the hardest things is to keep motivated. And the the key is going to be the ground game in the ridings. But I do think that not only is the Ford government going to win on Thursday, but they're going to increase their seat toll. And I'm predicting the NDP are going to have a strong showing in second, um, more than 30, seat, 30 or more seats. And um, the Liberals are still pulling themselves off the mat. So, But don't count them out forever. But uh, they're pulling themselves off the mat. The big question is going to be is whether or not Stephen Del Duke is going to win a seat. My bet is no. We know that we're looking at the polls and the confidence, as Kelly says, of the of the Ford government and getting back in when we're talking about the future of the other candidates here. Lauren, how are you feeling? Uh, Andrea oh, wow. Horvath, she would not <laughs> commit. Yeah, she would not commit to running again. But um, hey, we know if if she can find a a silver lining there. What are you predicting? Well, I I, I completely agree with Kelly. But do the two of you agree that this election just there's there's been mm-hmm. something about it that I agree. <laughs> it's just like you. Just, oh yeah, the election. It's it's. Um, it hasn't captured me at all, and maybe it's because we we we've had those federal elections in between, and we had the pandemic and all of that, and the feds are all the, under the microscope. There's always it just seems like this election has been, and and I know it's wrong to think this way, but it's just been a non-event, um, yeah. and and yet I went out, we went out to vote in the. Uh, in the earlier um, polling, and uh, we thought, oh, there's, nobody's going to mm-hmm. even be out mm-hmm. in voting. But I heard today something over a million people already have cast ballots. So, so maybe there is more of an interest. Maybe it's just me looking at this and saying, and and I agree with um, with Kelly. I, I, it'll be some some races will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if if Doug Ford's nephew takes that seat. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if Stephen Del Duca can, can, and he's in for a tough, tough fight. So things like that are interesting, but the election as a whole hasn't grabbed me at all. No, no, it's been strange. It has been strange, but somebody's going to win. And if, let's just say, if uh, Doug Ford wins this, Kelly, he is going to be one powerful conservative Premier in this country. 
Well, he will be, and he'll and and good for him. Let's be honest. Years ago, I was when I was working on NBC before the twenty two day of the two thousand five election, and Vaughn Palmer, the great columnist for the Vancouver Sun, wrote a piece, and he said that you you know Gordon Campbell and the BC Liberals don't need to be perfect; they just need to be better than the other guys. And Doug Ford's government has not been perfect, but he's clearly better than the options, and that's been the way he's run this campaign. And he's done a real good job at that. And yeah, here's a question I have for both mm-hmm. of you, though. Mm-hmm. So you've covered a few elections before, Lauren. Arlene, you've covered a few elections. Oh, I've yeah. A few elections. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is always the gimme number one concern? Number one, number one issue. And, and it's not actually ever the number one issue, but everybody says, oh, healthcare, healthcare. healthcare. Yeah. Even yeah. before the pandemic. Right. Healthcare should be the number one issue in this campaign. Would you say that this election has been about healthcare? No, there's some denial going on, I think. I do. I don't know what Lauren thinks. I think people are just, there's, you know, I'm just going to put this over there. It's true. It's the elephant in the room. It has been just through every election I ever covered, ever. Healthcare, healthcare, promises this, promises. Only now, it's a total different ballgame. Lauren, what okay, is Let me it? say one other thing that's really interesting, because you use this word, these words, Arlene. You said about powerful, conservative premier <laughs> in this country. <laughs> and we know there are many <laughs> conservatives in this country who don't think of Doug Ford right now as a true conservative. Yeah, that's why There's I said it. Lots of talk about that. And, yeah. Uh, Has he redone the model here, Lauren? Because well, we've got another, we've got, we've got a conservative leadership race. There's a battle for the views of who's conservative. If he wins this and wins this big, does he throw down the gauntlet for another description here? Well, I think he does because there's a lot of people and a lot of chatter about the fact that he's moved. He's moved towards the, towards that left. And, you know, his talk through the pandemic about, you know, when he's praising the Trudeau government mm-hmm. and uh, all that and, and his policies and what he's doing. And so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But is, you know, that question and uh, interesting what you have to say, Kelly, but that question is, is he really now a true conservative premier? And indeed, if he is that powerful premier, or has he moved away from it? And uh, that's what people will be talking about. Yeah, it's such a good point, Lauren. And I just want to add as we, we throw the question to Kelly. Kelly, if, if, if it's, it's exactly as Lauren says. It could re-identify or push people away. Let me ask you, could this affect the tone, the feel, the vibe of the conservative leadership race? So there was this prime minister we had in this country for a number of years back in the 90s named Jean Chrétien. And Mr. Chrétien and his team always had a campaign from the left governed to the right. I'm betting that's what we're seeing with Doug Ford. I'm going to say that right now. And Lauren, you're kind of stealing my thunder for what I want to say on Thursday when I come on air, where I was going to say I predicted the conservatives don't want to win. The Ford, Ford nation will win. It's a completely different party. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it, maybe, maybe finally he's the guy who's in shout out to, to Nick and Corey, it, it, the, the guys running the campaign and the whole campaign team. Um, they're actually seeming like we might have a 
pragmatist conservative party in this country, which I don't know about the two of you, but I can't remember the last time that yeah. happened. <laughs> what is that? you got to explain to me right? what that is first. Well, they tried it federally, didn't they? And then this is what's ticked off yeah. the people in Alberta and the social conservatives. They said they promised this, they campaigned to the right, and then they moved into the middle. However, this may change things. If it's successful, you bet one of those, it's going to come up in the leadership race, I would say, Lauren. Oh, yeah, 100%. And people will talk about that, and, and they'll point to, well, that's, you know, that's Jean Charest's problem. They'll point, you know, mm-hmm. the people mm-hmm. who want. What, I guess what will be interesting is there was a lot of other parties uh, in this particular Ontario election. I know there's something called the Blue Party, and I'm not mm-hmm. sure if there's something, the Light Blue Party. I can't remember what the other one was called. But there <laughs> new, were two new other and Ontario. That, new in Ontario, Lauren. Okay, the sorry, new blue and Ontario parties. New, new. Okay, I didn't. I wasn't. As I said, I haven't given it my full attention. But <laughs> so we'll see what type of if the, you know if there's bleeding of votes there and if in and how many people go there. But I think it's going to have ramifications. I do, and I think that that in that conservative leadership race they'll be talking about that and and it's it's the uh, Jean Charest and perhaps Patrick Brown. Oh, yeah, they're going to say they'll look. Have to, they'll have to yeah. deal with that. I think. Yeah, they, well they will because they they may say look, look look what Ontario votes for. And you got to face the music, you got to face the whole country whoever that leader is. Kelly, I'm going to throw it to you. History history has been made here today, May 31st. The hottest in our history, major heat wave of the year. We have predictions of more. I don't know about you, Kelly, still have in my head the Pacific Northwest and how we started off last summer and it's looking and we just had a storm. People don't have power. Uh, The weather is playing its hand here. Yeah, in this part of Canada, the rest of Canada, it's pretty cold from what I understand at last, but... uh, yeah, the weather. If we're going to equate every single thing that happens to the weather to climate change, okay, we can do that. Is that the reason this is happening, or it's just um, like what was it? It was not long ago. It was quite cold. We had a very late spring in Toronto as well, if I'm not mistaken, and other parts of the country. So, yeah. Um, they have a saying, they, you know, there's a saying in Canada, if you don't like the weather, wait a minute, is this, no, is, is this what's happening or is this a... Is it something uh, else? It, it, and yeah, or is it yeah, vol- volatility? Lauren, and usually and certainly in Canada here, uh, the weather is interpreted politically in, in a lot of ways. Is this getting beyond political? Are people getting concerned or are people remembering other times? However, I just have to say, May 31st, hottest ever. Does that mean anything? I, You know what? Uh, to me, Arlene, it, it doesn't mean anything except this is the hottest May 31st until the next hottest May 31st. You know, the reason... That this that we're talking about this and that I believe mm-hmm. and and people talk about it is because the weather is so important. But I really truly believe that, and I learned that through all my years <laughs> television news because yeah. things could be going crazy everywhere, yeah. and if a storm was coming through yeah. in that newsroom at five o'clock, you tore everything up. We're leading with the weather. 
We're going to the oh, West. Yeah. And, and it felt and good, didn't it, Lauren? Going. It was primitive. It was affected everybody. And, but it's effect, and, and that's yeah. what it is now, Arlene. Well, is. I mean, you mm-hmm. go, oh, wow, it's really hot. And like Kelly said, you know, a few weeks ago, you went, oh, wow, it's really cold. Yeah, but is it and, that... Is it that uncertainty here, you know, a storm destroying buildings? I haven't seen that. I'm just being very honest. I, I agree. You know? No, yeah. I agree. Some I'm of it, the, the severity is different. I agree. I just don't know what that means. And I know a lot of people immediately will go, oh, that's climate change. Oh, yeah. You know, well, that's that's because the ozone layer is being destroyed. So therefore, I don't know. I, 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 I truly, that's my mea culpa that I can't say with any degree of certainty, or I don't feel I can, based on what I read, that that's what's happening. All right. Yeah, Kelly, as, as we look at this, the, there's another angle, and I just want to throw in the first time I got on the air was in a huge blizzard in Hamilton, Ontario, I'd say. I mean, yeah, I got on, and so every time there's a blizzard, I feel good about it. Launch that career. Uh, Kelly, let me ask we you know, we've got, we've also got the electricity angle and we, we're so chuffed with ourselves. I mean, look at how fancy we are, all our technological advancements, but we can't repair things. It is incredible to me that people are still without power after that storm. Well, that's, that's a, that's an important thing that we should be talking about. And that's an infrastructure issue. There was, the, the previous government um, liked, to, liked to pat itself on the back an awful lot about the fact that it didn't have the blackouts that we used to have in Ontario because of the changes they made uh, with the electricity system. But you're, here you are a week after a major storm or close to a week after a major storm and people are still without power. So the question is, do we have the proper infrastructure? And and when we're upgrading the infrastructure, because we're going to have to after this, are we upgrading it with an idea of, hey, this might actually happen more often. So let's 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 take a little more care on how we're upgrading um, the infrastructure. And that's going to be a very important decision for the perhaps current energy minister or the new energy minister mm-hmm. come, come Friday morning. Um, as for the weather, I, I don't know. Today, I, after I finished work, I sat on a patio and watched Rafael Nadal, the greatest tennis player in the French Open history, win against the, one of the greatest tennis players. So it wasn't all that bad for me right now, but talk to me if it's a storm next time. Yeah, we <laughs> do. We're, we're, we're watching. Lauren? Yeah, but I was going to say, you know, your point about, about the power. I mean, that, that really is that that's the, you got to shake your head a, a week later. Yeah. And, and then and you look at the cost, what it's estimated, 25, 30 million dollars mm-hmm. so far, the ongoing repair work in there in Ottawa. And it's and they go, oh, we discovered these new problems, um, damaged transformers because uh, poles had fallen. You know, and people say, well, why those poles fall? Like, was it really just this unbelievable storm? Or were we just not prepared? So we talked about this last week. And, and you know, there, there should be a lot of uh, questions being answered here about our infrastructure and about repairs and about maintenance. And, you know, when you, you look at it and you go, what? There's 3,000 customers mm-hmm. still in that area? Mm-hmm. You know, a week later, think about the food gone, all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now this heat wave. 
Um, so, yeah, that that's the real story. As far and as the vulnerability concerned. from this. I mean, it's not just freezing weather and heat. Heat yeah. is, uh, is one of the great killers. I do want to get in all the new action in the reports that are moving forward, the sexual misconduct problem, and I use that word, <laughs> it's not even good enough in, in the armed forces. Uh, Kelly, we've got Louise Arbor's report, and we've got other scathing reports on what happened there and it uh, it seems to be a problem of Canada there I've said it Kelly do we pay enough attention to this do we do we light like a light like a, a butterfly on a leaf and then get out because it's too hard this is an enormous problem have we realized we have to fix it well, I'm I'm the child of uh, two military parents who actually met at Downsview Air Force Base back in the day. That's oh. where I come from. And uh, being the child of a mother who was in the RCAF, uh, RCAF and I asked her about it a couple of years mm-hmm. back when these things were starting to come out. We're like, did you experience this back in the day, back in the 50s? And she said, yeah, it was rampant. But is is that a and we both all three of us have worked in newsrooms. It was rampant in newsrooms, and I've worked mm-hmm. in politics, and it was rampant in you politics. Bet. You bet. It's it was rampant in society, and it affected every part of her society. And perhaps the military is one of the last places that needs to go through the change. Um, but. I'm happy it is going through the change, and hopefully the other side of this will mean that we don't have to deal with this story in the future. And so my question is, is it because this is where the focus on this issue is now? And perhaps that's the reason for why we're hearing so much of it. And if it is, and it means that women can be treated like people in the armed forces, like my mother tells me she never was. Um, yeah. My, I'll tell you a story. My People always ask, is you related to Mike Harris? And I say, yeah, that's my that's one of my parents. Because my mom, even though she worked for the warrant officer, she couldn't go to the officer's club after after work. So they, they, they used to tuck her hair underneath a hat, and they called her Mike. <laughs> so, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, this is how women have been treated in the armed forces for a long time. So hopefully we're getting some change. And the secret is out, and it's hard to deal with it. But, Lauren, the pressure's on, and now Canadians get what they pressure for. It has to be important to the whole country to solve this. Well, it's always the same with reports, and that's what you always worry about. Remember, the last Mm -hmm. report by former Justice Deschamps was 2015. The Trudeau government was just coming in. And uh, too much was not acted on. Uh, And so when the government said yesterday, oh, yeah, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, you know, you say, okay, well, you haven't done any, or there was a lot that wasn't done. But there's a lot of good things in there. People should look at it. I think one of the most important recommendations is that civilian authorities have exclusive jurisdiction over any criminal code, sexual Mm -hmm. offense allegations against CAF members. I think that's a really, really Break that self-government, break that self-judgment there. So there's there's many important recommendations. But to me, that from a legal point of view, get it away from, you know, from the exactly the self-regulate because it hasn't worked. It obviously has not worked and do it that way. And it may act as a 
deterrent in some ways as well. Yeah. And and the good part about this, the positive part about this, you know, we got a panel of two gentlemen here tonight and feeling very passionate that it has to change. So here we go. Thank you both. Lauren Honickman, 640 Toronto legal expert. Thanks, Lauren. Cheers to you. My pleasure. Have a great weekend. Have fun election night. Yeah. uh, When you're a political junkie, you uh, pour the martini and enjoy it. Kelly Harris, principal at Harris Public Affairs. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. And you know what? I'm just I'm I'm supporting what my mom, who was in the RCF, and also I have five older sisters who many are listening right now. So I'd better be saying saying stuff like this. Yeah, I think you did them proud. I think you did. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. Thank you, Kelly. Appreciate it. Thanks. We. You too. We're,